edition of the Beyond the Boscore podcast. I'm Dave Gershon from My Plains, New York, and Matt's not here today, but joining me uh, from is it is it Carolina? Well, it is uh, uh, North Carolina. Yeah, joining me from North Carolina is minor league baseball correspondent and someone who I know really well through minor league baseball is Will is Will Prevet. Will, how are you? Good. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm doing okay, and and I'm really glad to have you on. Uh, you know, just to, just to talk some baseball, just to um, just to get you on the podcast finally, and uh, and thanks for joining me and. Um, so, you know, and let's just start off because uh, it's been a crazy week in baseball, a lot of, a lot of trades, a lot of, uh, transactions and whatnot, and, and we're not going to get into everything because most of the other podcasts have already covered that, but, uh, but, Will, you know, I, I guess I should ask you, uh, what are your immediate thoughts on the trade, um, I guess the trade deadline in, in late July? Uh, I thought it was a little bit anticlimactic, to be honest. I, I was, a lot of stuff happened early, and nothing really happened huge at the very end, which obviously everyone likes at the very last minute for things to come in, uh, you know, at 3.59 or even 4.01. But I think the biggest news that's come after that is actually the retirement of Matt Stairs, to be honest. I yeah. think uh, that's that's such a big deal right there. Yeah, I mean, Matt Stairs, uh, he had a re- really good career. I think he played for like 12, 13 teams. And yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of sad when he retired, and, and that is big news. Was, I, I wish he could... Could have ended up playing with all 30 teams. That would have been great. <laughs> that would have been awesome. And I bet if you stayed another five or ten years, it could have happened. It, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So, Will, so, you know, can you just explain to, to our listeners um, what you currently do? Because you, you know, I'll start off. Um, the reason I know you is obviously from the Carolina Mudcats, and you do a lot of stuff with the Mudcats team, and they've and they've been the Marlins. They're currently the Reds. But I think you told me that back in, in the early 90s, or I, I guess for a while in the 80s and 90s, that your family owned the land the Mudcats uh, played on. Well, I guess that the team they're played on, and then the Mudcats became a team in Carolina at, I guess, in the early 90s, and that's when they sold it. But you've yeah. still been with the Carolina Mudcats ever since. Right. Well, it, um, before it was it's in Zebulon now, before that it was in Columbus, Georgia, okay. as it was for a few, for, I don't know how many years, but a amount of time, a farm club of the Astros. And then Steve Bryant, who's from North Carolina, purchased the team. And renamed them the Columbus Mudcats, which was named after a contest that the team put on. And uh, there's different names. I forgot what names. Uh, Joe Kramer, the general manager, told me at one point. But anyway, um, they had that contest and the Mudcats won. So they were the Columbus Mudcats in 1990. Yeah. So then I believe in 89 or 90, I'm thinking 89, before I was around, um, Steve Bryant, like I said, bought the team and he wanted to move it to North Carolina and he wanted to move it into Raleigh. And that wasn't possible because of the Durham Bulls, which a lot of people know of because of the Bull Durham. Um, The owner at the time, Miles Wolf, put a radius rule in place to where no other minor league team could be within, I believe, 30, 30 miles or so within from another team so really steve, yeah so steve wanted to put the team obviously in raleigh and actually i believe it would be currently where the rbc center is which holds uh the carolina hurricanes hockey and the nc state bat, men's basketball as well so it would have gone there but, it's, but that's not where it is what you're saying that's not right it well yeah it would have gone there yeah, yeah. but because of the radius rule, Steve had to look elsewhere. And he looked basically around the map, and the first place that was available within that 30-mile, 30-whatever-mile radius rule was my family's property, which at the time was a tobacco farm, which is kind of fitting, I guess. Uh, Yeah. So, and I think you told me this, is is that you've been going to the mud, or I guess you've been around the team since, like, you know, since you were a baby almost. And so I guess I should ask you, you know, because a lot of minor league people, there's a lot of people who are minor league fans who work in minor league baseball, but they haven't really experienced it, you know, at, at all of its, you know, at all of its high points, its low points. They haven't really been around it for, for decades. They haven't been around it for, you know, for that for that much of a, of a time. So, I mean, what what do you see as, 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 some of the, as some of the biggest differences from the time that you first went to a Mudcats game, or I guess the, I guess the time, you know, I, I guess the first Mudcats, I guess the first Mudcats game that you can remember up until now, I mean, what are some of the biggest differences? Yeah, it's been a huge, huge change. So, so Steve talked to my parents, and I, the land actually wasn't for sale. We weren't looking to sell it at all. 
But Steve said, hey, look, I got this vision. I want to move this baseball team here. What do y'all think about that? Yeah. And my grandmother, my dad's mother, was a huge Yankees fan. She would listen on the radio and would take stats and would write letters to players, but she, I don't think she ever sent them. So they kind of did it in her honor and thought, you know, why not? Let's do it. So since since then, from it opened in July 3rd in 91. Yeah. And, and this we're in our 21st baseball season right now. Right. Um, it's been it's a huge transformation because it went from basically three grandstands at the beginning, and then they had a reconstruction phase, I believe, in '99 or 2000, and to what it is now, which is a big concourse. And it's just it went from from like I said, three big uh, general admission grandstand type seats with um trailers yeah. for clubhouses trailers for souvenirs and and food stands to a very nice thing with a great five-star restaurant on top of the season and cattails and and i guess i should also ask what are some of the biggest differences just you know just baseball in general wise i guess um obviously obviously the marlins were there and, and now the mudkin now the reds um so I, I i guess aside from the two different organizations uh, you know filling out the uh, filling out the team i guess um, in terms of minor league baseball in general, um, how much has it changed from the time you know that you first remember up until now? Well, um, well, we've actually been with four organizations since we've been here. We were the Pirates for a long okay. time, and then the Rockies for four years, and then after that, we were with the Marlins and now the Reds. Um, differences, I guess the talent has gotten better, obviously, mm-hmm. throughout the years. It's not baseball wasn't how it was back in the '80s or even the 90s or maybe even early 2000s. Yeah. And now, I guess, with steroid testing in the minors, I don't really get into all that, but yeah. um, it's just, it's changed, especially with the league, with the Southern League, which we're currently in for this last year. Um, we've had teams move from from uh, Tampa, Florida, to now they're in Mississippi, and actually the Mudcats are actually technically moving. Out yeah, of that's what I heard. Yeah, that that's going to be a big change next year. Yeah. So, um, and also, I guess you know, I, I know I've asked you this uh, a lot of times. Is that this year? I think it's fair to say that um, most of the talent you've seen, you know, as, since your time with the Mudcats, is there this year. I mean, there's there's guys like Grandal, there's uh, Neptali Soto, and I, I I know you've told me this a ton of times, but can you just tell our listeners some of the best players and some of the talent that you've seen um, this season with the Mudcats? Uh, this season, uh, um, we've had, like you said, Grandall and um, Ali Soto, our first yeah. baseman, who's really turned it around this, or really turned it on, rather, not turned it around, turned it on this uh, second half. He has uh, currently 24 home runs with, he had two home runs on Wednesday night. Um, we had Brad Boxberger, who had a below a sub two ERA with us out of the bullpen for the first few months of the season before going up to AAA. And we have, we've had, um, in the past, we've had this numerous, numerous different players with the Marlins organization, the Pirates. I mean, we've seen guys come through here playing for us, uh, the likes of Jason Kendall, um, Tim Wakefield, Miguel Cabrera, really? Dontrell Willis, Jeremy Hermita. We just, we just have had a slew of players come through here throughout the years that have been top prospects. What are some of your, I guess, most prominent memories? You know, because obviously there's there's really good players that come in for rehab assignments. I know Chapman this year. Um, mm-hmm. There's always you know things that happen at, you know at the ballpark. And obviously um, with you, who has, um, who's one of the you know who's one of the most um, I guess uh, um, a proponent of people there. I mean, you know, you have a credential. You have club buzz access. The players love having you around. Um, so, so you've probably experienced. Uh, I guess you've had better experiences than most people there. I guess what I guess what I'm asking is, what are some of the Best memories you have with the Mudcats? Well, my, my probably favorite memory is um, the 2003 championship because mm-hmm. I was really paying attention. That's when I first started falling in love with baseball, and that was just really, really fun. I got into it towards the very – I mean, through the season, but during the playoffs, the atmosphere was just great. We had a uh, Nick Ungs, who was Marlins farm, farmhand, threw a one-hitter for us during the playoffs, and then we had Trevor Hutchinson, whose brother – played football mm-hmm. yeah he closed it out or not closed it out but um pitched our final game and 
won the championship. And that was just a really fun time. I was 13 at the time, and I went on the field and celebrated on the field with the guys and took pictures and then ended up going into the clubhouse after, and we were all partying and celebrating. Uh, and that, that was just something I'll never forget. That and then 2008, we, we were, went to the championship again. And we played the Mississippi Braves. We had an amazing team. We had um, that year. We had Chris Bolstad. We had um, Gabby Sanchez, who's the Marlins' first baseman. We had Cameron Maben. We had uh, Chris Coglin, the Rookie of the Year in 2009. And we just we just had a great team. And I um, I flew out to Mississippi to watch the final three games. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was the atmosphere. There wasn't that many fans there per se, but just the intensity before the game in the clubhouse. And then during the game, we had extra inning games, the final two decisive games. And Jordan Schaefer hitting a, hitting a, I believe it was a one or two out pitch to tie the game in the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it, the atmosphere, it was just crazy how intense it was. And I remember Maven and all the other guys saying how, how great how great it was playing mm. games like that and it was it was just it, unfortunately we didn't win we lost when um we actually had runners on they had runners on first and second the Braves did and we had Brad Davis i believe i believe it was Brad Davis behind the plate and they did a double steal and Davis threw to second who and Chris Coglin was covering second and the throw was short and it bounced in the dirt before second base and popped up and hit Chris Coglin in the face mm. and the runner scored and that's how they won the championship. And it was just, it was a heartbreaking feeling, but it was just so intense and it was just, all, it was a great experience. And the Marlins won the world series that year as well, right? Yes. We won it in 2003 when we had uh, Dontro and Miguel at the beginning of the year. And yeah, we, that was when we won in our three. That was great. So, so the Mudcats won it and the Marlins won. Yes, that, that, that. that's pretty they both cool. in the same year. Yep. Hey, well, um, a lot of people, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of people who, who are minor league fans, but obviously don't get to experience minor league baseball as much as you or myself. Um, could you, you know, for someone who's obviously at the park every day and you've seen much more minor league baseball than I have, and probably most people who, you know, who are, who are fans, could you just talk about what goes into making a minor league team work a lot, you know, obviously a major league organization, you know, a team like the, you know, like the Yankees or the Red Sox, they have, um, it, it's obviously, a, 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 they rely on, I mean, they get so much money from tickets, from stuff, you know, from stuff like that, but a minor league team, minor league teams have to really have, they have to push, they have to work their asses off, you know, in order to get money, in order to get fans to the park. Can you just talk about what it's like, you know, because I know, I mean, I, I know you obviously don't, you know, you don't run the team, but could you just talk about what it's like to, for, for the Mudcats to, uh, I guess, just to be popular and for them to, them to generate revenue and for them to just be a minor league baseball team that's that's successful yeah well see steve bryant the owner and joe kramer the general manager have been there from the very beginning and they they do i think a good job of what they do then when they have a small market of zebula north carolina which is a tiny tiny town probably one of the worst places you want to have a, a team because of the just small population and then they have to fight off the fans of the Durham Bulls who bring in a lot more and have, I guess, more notoriety in the area. And it's just for some people with Raleigh, who live in Raleigh, they yeah. prefer to go to Durham because they think, quote-unquote, that it's closer than the Mudcats. Right. But in reality, it's not really that big of a difference. And, I mean, I just I don't really know the technical side of how to run a minor league franchise. I know more of the player side and the manner the team management side of how all that goes and that is just really interesting and something I, I always pay attention to and like more so than big league baseball yeah and I you know I completely agree with you I I, I find out that just being around minor league baseball really does make you like it and enjoy it more than big league baseball well uh, could you just talk about I guess just just that very same uh, you know uh, a topic is that um, why 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 to you is minor league baseball more special than big league baseball because there there's it's i mean i've only experienced double a so double a is from what most people say is a the biggest step in baseball from high a to double a is the biggest step more so than from double a to triple a and it's just it's a certain talent that 
there and obviously not everyone's got is not not everyone's going to make it to the big leagues but there's going to be a handful of players that are very special and it's just the development side i guess is what intrigues me the most is you go to the stadium every day and see these guys working working hard to try try and make it to the next level make it to triple a and most people don't you know but you have that and then you have the the staff the coaching staff which currently we have david bell who played in um over a decade in the big leagues and then his dad and grandfather obviously um buddy and gus bell were big a big baseball fan we have him and then we have ryan jackson who played in the big leagues and then we have our pitching coach tom brown and this they've just done a great job the past three years that they've been here and it's just interesting because they it's not where in the big leagues where dusty baker for the most part can say all right um miguel Cairo, we're playing you today mm-hmm. because we just mm-hmm. we want to play you today it's it's they don't have obviously as much freedom because david and ryan and yeah. tom brown are getting getting instructions from up top from walt and from all those guys saying, hey, we want Natalie Soto to play 120 games this year, or we want them to have X amount of at-bats. And they don't have as much freedom mm-hmm. as people in the big leagues being able to use exactly who they want to use. And then with the bullpen restrictions, you know, you see guys in the big leagues go out there three or four days in a row. You don't see that in minor league baseball. You see maybe back-to-back days, but that's, yeah. that's really it. And and I know you mentioned this earlier is that you know I know this is probably a little saddening for you is that uh, is that the Mudcats I guess the Mudcats aren't really moving but the Reds are moving to Pensacola Florida other AA and the Indians from Kinston are coming to Carolina can you talk about have you heard anything regarding that whole thing and and what's going on with that yeah that was a really bizarre event turn of events that happened uh, last December huh. um, I actually didn't know anything about it my friend. Uh, texted me and said, what's going on with the Mudcats? I was like, what do you mean? He said, read the news. So I looked, I went online and saw it. And at that point, it was just Mudcats are moving. That's the rumor. So there was no incoming team. No one really knew what was going on. But then as the night went on, this is probably 10 o'clock at night. The night went on. I did more research and kind of put pieces together or whatever. And so then the very next morning, I woke up early, and college kids, we don't wake up early unless we have to. I woke up early and called the owner, Steve Bryant, and got basically what was going going on. And it was pretty much what I knew from gathering all the information from different sources on the internet. But basically what's happening is Steve is selling the AA franchise rights to a team in Pensacola, Florida, which – before this year was an independent league team called the Pensacola Pelicans. Yep. And he signed that. And actually, we just re-upped our contract with the Reds last last year. So we had two more years, so this year and next year. So where this double-A team is moving to Pensacola, Florida, and they'll be the Pensacola Blue Wolves. And they will fill out their one-year commitment with the Reds, and then who knows after that year. So then we, Steve Bryant, sold the Mudcats, and then bought the Kingston Indians, uh-huh. which has been there for decades, for decades and decades. And we are moving them to Zebulon and we'll rename them the Carolina Mudcats. So basically the only difference will be they'll be the um will be part of the Carolina League mm-hmm. and we'll be high A baseball and there'll be a DH all year round instead of whenever we play an American League affiliated team. So I don't think the fans the casual fans per se will notice much of a difference, right. but there, there will be some, there'll be not as great as a, not talent wise. Cause obviously they're prospects that come through high, a, but right. It, you, you, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So there's so it's going to be high a instead of double a correct. Yeah. And, and have you given it um, any thought to the, to the players playing, um, um, you know, for the Indians high a that, that you might see? Well, I've, I, I've been meaning to kind of. I've actually brought look through the prospect handbook yeah. for the um for the yep. baseball prospect handbook and looked at guys that were projected to go the low A this year. Because then if they're in low A this year, more than likely if they do well, they'll be in high A next year. I haven't really looked at it as much as I need to. Probably by the, towards the end of the year, or maybe during the off season, I'll look in more in depth to it. Look at their uh, low A roster and see who who did well and kind of 
look at their prospects right. and get a feeling for who's going to be there next year. But obviously, you never know. I try and predict every year a 24-man roster, and I'm always off. So it's a, it's, it was a wait-and-see game, I guess. And, um, and hey, before we take a break, you know, I want to ask you a couple more questions. Well, um, I know you mentioned uh, I, I, you mentioned this before. I wanted to follow up, but you said the Pensacola team is there is naming their team the uh, the what the blue the blue Wahoos the blue Wahoos yes. And are they going to be part of? Have you heard? Are they going to be part of the Florida State League or are still the Southern, still league? Southern league? The Southern League. They're going to be Southern the league. Pensacola Blue Wahoos. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, they had a, a team or a contest, and there's different names. I forgot exactly what names there were, but at a contest, and some somehow that won. <laughs> that's that's pretty funny. And uh, and here's and here's another question for you. Um, you know, how, you know, I, I guess I should ask you. Um, you know, I, I guess regarding baseball, what are some of your personal expectations? Um, you know, I'm in baseball. Well, well, uh, what what do you mean exactly? I mean, like what? I- what what my what I want to do? Yeah, eventually. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Do you want to have a do you want to have a role in baseball going forward? Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I've been in love with this game since I was thirteen, and yeah. been around it since I was a little kid. I um, I, you know, I've done the writing thing a little bit, um, and I do that still a little bit whenever I get in. Which actually, I'll do a little plug. I'm doing an article, um, about the whole transition from Double A mm-hmm. to High A. I'm going to be interviewing the uh, Mudcats here in the next week or so and get a little a sentimental closure article to the end of this chapter of double a life i guess and that'll, that'll hopefully be out before the season ends on on um labor day but for me personally i've i've i wanted this year my goal was to get more involved more involved team wise and I, i've been able to do that thanks to our manager david bell i've done i've actually done some "Quote unquote intern type work for him, where I have I've done before every homestand, I go into this program that David sent me, and I go in there and fill out the opposing team roster. So, for instance, really? we're, we're playing the Mississippi Braves right now, or starting tonight. So, two days ago, or yeah, two days ago, I went in, filled out their rotation, our rotation, our our roster, their roster." And then we have on the program, they have like their usual lineup and then their bench players and then their bullpen guys and then their starting rotation. So I go in and I do their split stats for everyone. Okay. So um, I go in and do their versus right-handed pitchers and fill out those stats and then versus left-handed pitchers. And then David DB wants me to do their last five games, what their batting average is. And then I do their stolen bases and really? stolen bases attempts. So I, I fill in all that, and then I email it to David, and then he has that for him. And then he can um, go on which lineup the other opposing team does. He can just switch, switch the players in and out. All the stats move back and forth for, for him to have easy access for his dugout lineup and the – manager's lineup and all that different or the um, umpire's lineup and all that different stuff wow well that's i mean that's that's great that you're doing that um it's it's it, you know it's most people um obviously most people don't have the opportunity uh, i guess to be around minor league baseball as much as you do and and even and, you know i mean i'm jealous and and you do a great job will so keep up the good work uh, everyone if you'd like to follow will on twitter he is at thrill 21 right will yes sir and you could uh you could check his uh, his stuff out at uh, thrill um, it's it's thrillonbaseball.wordpress.com. Uh, what what is what? I don't, hold on, I even I don't even use it that much anymore. What is it? It's um, baseball with thrill. That's baseball it. with thrill. Yeah, and you know I think it's time, Will, since it's getting a little more popular, you need to uh, you need to change it so it doesn't have the dot wordpress because a lot of people want to check it out. Will, come on. I need to get rid of the dot. I don't even know how to do that. I don't think <laughs> it's pretty easy. I'll, I'll I'll show you how to do it. But, uh, this this started off as a, a class project, and I kind of went with it. <laughs> well, listen, man. Uh, you know, I really appreciate you joining us. Thanks so much for everything. Thanks for thanks for uh, for telling us all this good stuff. And we hope to talk to you soon, man. Hey, thanks, Dave. I appreciate it.
Welcome back to the podcast. Now we're being joined uh, by the host of MLB Round Trip on MLB Network Radio, uh, Mike Theron. Mike, how are you? I'm good, Dave. How are you? I'm doing good. Did I get it right? You got it right. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the name of it. So we uh, went through the uh, the you know there was a lot of effort that went into naming the program, and that's the best we could do. Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely I think I'm I'm much more glad that uh, that I got it right more than anything I could be glad about over the past week. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, Mike. You know, I, I just want to ask you just just uh, just to start off. Uh, you do a, a ton of work on uh, on LB Network Radio, as I said, and uh, for SiriusXM. Um, but you know, one of the things that's been uh, that's been making a lot of the a lot of the headlines, at least at least for people who you know who know you and who know Goldstein and the guys at BP and whatnot, is that uh, I guess a few weeks ago, uh, you and Kevin Goldstein and and uh, Stephen Goldman, uh, you know, announced that you're going to be starting a Sunday night uh, show. And um, and that's been it's been you know it's been really popular so far. Can you just talk about uh, first and foremost, just talk about how uh, you know how that's working and how it all started? I, I it, first of all, it's a thrill for me because you know, Kevin and Steve are old friends of mine. I mean, I go back to I got really involved in BP um, back when I worked in Chicago through Will Carroll, who's who's no longer with Baseball Perspectives, but Will introduced me to Kevin, and Kevin and I hit it off and. I was a producer in Chicago at the time, so I used to book him a lot. So we became really good friends, and and I've always been a BP subscriber and a reader, and just kind of getting into, you know, what different ways to analyze the game, and and I think that was the real beauty of it. And about I guess it would say six months ago, maybe a little less than that, uh, one of my bosses came to me and said, "Hey, you know, we're." we're talking to baseball prospectus about starting a show. Would you be interested in, in doing it with, with Kevin and Steve? And he couldn't even finish the sentence. And I said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's rare that you get an opportunity to just sit around and talk baseball, you know, on the radio for three hours with two of your, your, your favorite people and, and closest friends in the business. Steve is an unbelievably talented writer and a great baseball historian. And with Kevin's scouting knowledge, and my, you know, I'm I'm a dangerous sabermetrician in that I know just enough to be dangerous. You know, I'm I'm basically I'm like a I'm the sports talk show host who thinks of himself as a sabermetrician. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a I think it's a good combination. Um, and we've been doing it for three weeks, and the show keeps getting better. And it's it's just a heck of a lot of fun to do. And it's really, I mean, I love my job. I've got a, I'm really lucky with the job that I have, but it's the highlight of my week. Mm-hmm. And and it's funny that you mentioned the, ser- the serometrics because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of I'm not I'm not, not going to say just radio hosts, but there's a lot of people who are in the business who, um, you know, who are who are doing how they do because of their either their voice or because of their whatever. Mm-hmm. But but you yeah I, you know I I know that you know a lot about serometrics and whatnot and 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 it's 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 rare that you'll find a really good baseball guy um just you know who's who's doing the talk shows and whatnot um in addition to you know to having a lot of knowledge and and, and whatnot. So my question is, do you think that with all the people you've had on, with you know, with, with all you've learned from from you know guys like Kevin and Steven, but more importantly, just um, just I guess just doing what you do that it's helped advance your, um, I guess or enhance your knowledge of sabermetrics. Oh, huge! I mean, not just sabermetrics, but baseball in general, because you know, I, I mean, I, I'm a saber guy, but I think that it's a small portion of of the player development mm-hmm. you know process. I mean, I'm a bigger fan of scouting and and development, and you know, not just guys like that, but but some of the guys that I work with, I'm lucky I work with Jim Bowden and I work with Jim Duquette and both of them as former general managers are wonderful at sharing their insight in how you develop players, what you're looking for as an organization, what to be looking for. You know, I work with Kevin Kennedy some too, and Kevin as a former big league manager is, is willing to share strategic advice and why managers do the things they do. And so it's not just in learning about, you know, sabermetrics. I, I want to know about, how everybody thinks, how people act in the game. You know, I, I want to know in in working with guys who played the game. You know, I work with Morgan Ensberg for the most part, who in addition to being one, maybe the smartest baseball player who ever lived in terms of just a, a really bright guy, too, is absolutely hilarious and has really good insight on how you approach the mm-hmm. game. And just all of that together. I mean, I'm really lucky in that you know, I was not a good baseball player in high school. I mean, if you're if you're the 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 play, you know, I was told when I was a kid, you're going to play first base because it's a place where slow outfielders go to die. And the problem is, if you're right-handed and you can't hit and you're playing first base, you're not going to have much of a career. So being able to to sponge up information from these guys is 
unbelievable. And I think it, it's helped to give me a better understanding of, of the way everybody acts and how, you know, and how statistical analysis is used in front offices and by, by, by general managers in trying to build a roster and trying to, to determine what players they're going to attack. Hmm. Now, have you been doing this for, for how long? I've been at, uh, at XM for four years. So I was in Chicago for a long time before that, and then uh, I was beating the bushes before that. Right. And, and clearly, you know, there's, there's obviously been um, new people, you know, I guess to come and host a show with you. It's, uh, you know, the, I guess the cast has changed. Um, since the time you started, Mike, have you, you know, have you, uh, have you seen much of a difference, much of a change in, in the people who, you know, who are on the show with you, um, guys like Bowden, guys like, uh, like Duquette, and, and guys like that, I guess to um, – have you seen much of a difference in the way that that this show, um, I guess, just feeds off to the people listening and and um, and enhances their knowledge? Um, yeah, I mean, it's there's been a big change in what we were when I started four years ago and and what we are now. I mean, we we were still you know relatively young channel. I mean, I, I started at the All Star break in '07, so we've been up and running for about two and a half years, and it was before the Sirius XM merger and. You know, anytime you have companies merge and some one company takes over another, um, there's going to be changes. And so there have been a lot of lineup turnovers. And finally, in the last year and a half, we've started to really – we've got the same guys in the same slots every mm-hmm. time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that, that that's had a big help. And I think it's built a comfort base with the listeners too. And, you know, the fact is, is that you can get a little bit of everything that you want. I mean, none of us are, are the same and none of the shows are the same. And I think right. that that's what's really nice too. You know, if you really like Smart Alex, boy, Jim Memolo and Rob Dibble in the morning are perfect for you. And I was Memolo's producer once upon a time. And they're, they're Smart Alecky and they know the game. Um, if you want great information, Duquette and Kennedy are there. If you want to goof around at night, you know, uh, Morgan and I can be for that. If you want to have, you know, really intense debate, we've got Casey Stern and Jim Bowden. And so, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I hate to sound like an advertisement for the channel, but I mean, there, there's a lot of different things that are going on and my show may not be for everybody, um, but you may really like what Casey and Jim do. And, you know, you, or you may like what Jim and Rob do. And so I think that it, it kind of, um, if you're, as long as you're a hardcore baseball fan, you're going to find something you like. And I think that there's a lot of information that we share and that, that gets shared with us that definitely enhances the, the listeners appreciation and knowledge of the game. Mm. And another thing is that you guys have, uh, I guess very, uh, I guess quite often rather is that you guys have a ton of guests, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. it's funny cause I'm, you know, I follow the MLB network radio account on Twitter and it seems like every, you know, like every third tweet is, you know, we have this special guest, we have this special guest, this special guest. Um, can you talk about, I guess, the style of guests you have on? Is there a certain, you know, do you guys try to follow a certain suit? Do you guys try to um, have the guests be, uh, you know, I, I guess all players or all, or, you know, a certain, uh, does it change weekly? Does it change, you know, whenever, or, or do you guys just, uh, just find as many good guests as you can? Um, you know, I think it's a little bit of the latter, but I think it's also that, that the news of the day kind of helps yeah. dictate a lot of the guest bookings. Um, you know, what we do on the postgame show tends to be mostly postgame guests. So, I mean, I've got a great producer in Brady Gardner who um, works to book those guys. But during the day, I mean, it's, it's um, you know, I think the focus is on newsmakers, but we certainly want people who analyze the game as well. So um, you'll hear a lot of beat writers who share good information. You'll hear a lot of people who are, um, you know, especially on the weekends, you'll hear people who are writers who are analysts who um, can give a little more in-depth uh, information on what's going on that, that may not be a, an insider and that they're playing or they're working in a front office. And other than that, I mean, it's, and sometimes you get the hall of famer on because sometimes it's really cool to have the hall of famer. On, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's fun in that respect too. And that there's a lot of difference. There's no real set agenda on it. Um, you know, but, but I think part of what makes it, you know, what makes listeners want to tune in is that they that they're hearing the newsmakers that they're hearing people who are who are in the news every night, and with that, I think it's important that you know we continue to have players and front office personnel and and uh, managers on, and I think that that's you know th- that's one of the things that that you can hear it straight from the horse. Yeah, and and I guess this is a question I you know I guess just uh, just for you personally as well, but um, d- you know. For the show, for the show uh, series X and, and oh, sorry, for the show uh, 
LMB round trip and you, you know, do you see some expectations? What are some of the goals uh, going forward for, for you and the rest of the show? Um, do you guys, you know, is there anything that can make it even better than it already is? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're always trying to get better. I, I know I certainly am. Um, I think it's, you know, I think finding a way to constantly communicate with the listeners to let people know that it's an open forum. I mean, we, we kind of, we want it to sound like, um, maybe a less crass barroom conversation and that you know, we want it to be kind of inviting. Um, but keeping in mind that while we're on satellite radio, it is a family channel. So, right. uh, you know, uh, maybe our language won't be as salty as it could be other places. Uh, and I think that that's one of the things is I, we're constantly trying to find ways to figure out how do we get more people involved in this show? How do we get more listeners involved? How do we make sure that we are best, um, best satisfying all of our listeners. Cause listen, you know, if you're in St. Louis or you're in Chicago or you're in New York, it's easier to do a show. That's a post game show because you're focused on one team, you know, the Yankees radio networks are focused on the Yankees post game show. Right. How do we service all 30 teams still hit the big stories? And that's one of the biggest challenges we ha- we have. And from what I hear, we're doing a pretty good job of it, but I think we can do better. And I'm still looking for ways that we can, we can improve that. And I think that that's, you know, that's one of the challenges in any profession. I think you should never be satisfied with where you are um, in terms of wanting to improve constantly. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that I look at that's important to me is with every day we want to make this show better than the last one was. I don't know that we're always successful, but we're trying, we're trying. And, and how, I mean, how busy are you? You know, someone who, who obviously, who obviously plays a huge role in this. I mean, do you, um, are you, are you always, um, doing something? Are you, I mean, is this, is it the type of thing where, um, where basically, you know, you're just, uh, you're always preparing for the show and, you know, I guess throughout the day and then it goes on later and stuff like that. Or are you? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it drives my wife nuts. Um, she actually posted on my Facebook wall the other day, one of those articles about people being addicted to their, their smartphones. Yeah. Cause I'm constantly on it. <laughs> I feel like I can't be out of the loop for new. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it does take quite a bit of preparation. I mean, you want to be on top of all the stories that are happening. And, you know, in addition to that, um, at seven o'clock Eastern time, I'm sitting down in front of a TV and I've got a little home office. I work from home for the most part. Um, but I've, I've got the game mix up from DirecTV, so I'm watching eight baseball games at once, and if there's more than that going on, then I've got the computer going with four more games, and I'm trying to see everything that's happening, and yeah, it's time-consuming. I mean, we, that's five hours of prep before we even hit the air at midnight Eastern, just on the games alone, so um, it's very difficult to switch off, but you know what? I mean, at, at the same time, and again, it drives my life nuts, now, I love baseball. And the fact that I get to do this, it's not really work for me to mm, right. to be following what's going on every day. I just like the idea of being able to hear, to have a finger on the pulse of everything that's going on. And if I have a question, I can pick up the phone and call some people. Yeah. And, and you know, just a few more questions. Uh, one of the things that I found out really cool about, about your job, too, and actually you just told me before we started recording, is that um, you spent about 15, 20 games with the Bowie Bay Sox of the Eastern League and, and you know to me on a personal level that means so much because I'm I'm around minor league baseball almost every day and I think and I, and I love hearing about others minor league journeys and whatnot so can you talk a little bit about the Bay Sox and what you do for them Mike yeah I mean I, I just last year Grant Paulson who was our minors major show and I kind of approached them because Bowie's in a strange spot um, geographically it's located about halfway between, but it's not really halfway. It's more in like a point of a triangle, but it's about equidistant from Baltimore and D.C. So it's very difficult for them to get any real coverage on the, on the baseball team with a real radio affiliate. There's a station right. in Annapolis that does a, a few games, uh, maybe 10 or so, um, that's actually owned by Pat Sajak, which I think is really cool. Wow. <laughs> um, but other than that, they haven't had an affiliate at all. And so we approached them about just doing some games. So we'd like to do some, you know, if you can get an Internet feed, we'd love to come out and do them. And they said, sure. And so last year we did a bunch of games. And this year they actually brought in – a guy who's an intern who I know you're, you're New York Penn League guy. So uh, Ben Gordon Goldstein, who was in Aberdeen last year, mm-hmm. okay. uh, is there and is doing um, they, he's doing a couple of road series, not very much, but for the most part, doing all the home games. And then um, when my schedule permits, they let me come in and do a couple of games uh, a week. So usually on Fridays and Saturdays, because that's my off days from 
from XM, I uh, get to go and do play-by-play, and I get there early and talk to the players, and I've made really good uh, connections with some of those guys. And, you know, it, you know, Dave, it, it's a great place to talk to scouts yeah. and get yeah. information. And there's even a lot of information that I get there that helps me in my job covering Major League Baseball. And uh, they're a really fun outfit in Bowie. They don't take themselves too mm. seriously, which I think is a beautiful thing. Uh, they have a lot of fun promotions. They like to goof around. The, uh, their assistant general manager, Phil Rye, who really kind of oversees the broadcast aspect, has his hand in everything and is just a great guy. The yeah, he is. manager, Tom yep. Sedlachik, um, is a phenomenal human being, too. And, and you know, and I get to work with Benny, who's a young guy who's who's just kind of starting out on his career. But he and I you know, joke around and we have a good time. And it's just it's a lot of fun. I mean, I've always wanted I always wanted to be a play by play guy. Mm-hmm. And I took a career path that didn't allow me that opportunity. So to be able to get a, to do a few games a year is just for me is just mm-hmm. thrill. It's absolutely a thrill. I would love to do more. Um, and, and it's just, this is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to be, be around the ballpark and to see, you know, double A baseball is pretty good level of baseball. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. I, I tell everybody, you know, if, if you want to watch, if you want to have a good time at the, at the ballpark, you know, there's no, no hassle, nothing, you know, there's nothing to worry about. Go to an Eastern league game, go to a Penn league game, go to any minor league game. I, I think I, I've told people this, I think minor league baseball is so underrated. And I'm sure you could speak to that as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's a great entertainment value. And, yeah, you're going to have – you know, listen, the game's not as crisp and neither is the breaking stuff as it is in the major league. Yeah. But there's still – there's always something to see. There's one guy on every team, at least, that's going to be playing in the big leagues. At some, yeah. You know, it's, I mean, and I'll t- if I can share a story quick. Sure. My favorite moments of this season has been there's a guy pitching for Bowie named Mike Ballard. And yep. Ballard, three years ago, the, the Rangers were in a bind. They were going to need a spot starter because Vicente Padilla came down with a stiff neck. And Ballard had been pitching really well at AA in Frisco. He was 24 years old at this time. And mm. so they called him up and they said, listen, we, we want you around the ballpark. We need you here. We haven't made a roster decision yet, but we think we may need you to start. And so he was basically in limbo for the next day. And it turned out that they couldn't clear a 25-man spot and they didn't know whether or not Padilla was going to have to go on the DL. So he sat around with the big league club for a for a day, never got activated. Warner Madrigal ended up making the start in a bullpen game. Mm-hmm. And Ballard went back to the minors and hadn't sniffed the majors at all since. And in fact, had been a triple A at the beginning of the year and was back down in the Eastern League and pitching well. Well, when the Orioles on Saturday got clobbered in that doubleheader against the Yankees, they needed pitchers. And Mike Ballard got added to the 40-man roster and got the call. Now, he didn't get to pitch in the game, but uh. he got there. And for me, those are some of the cool stories that you get to be a part of yeah. just, you know, for a little bit for, you know, that guy was so close to his dream and still, you know, he's got like one more level. He wants to make an appearance, you know, right. he's on a 40 man roster and there's a good chance because the Orioles aren't going anywhere and they're probably going to have to shut some pitchers down. Mike Ballard's going to get a chance to recognize his dream most likely by the end of the season. And that's, that's the other thing is in addition to seeing prospects, seeing those guys that are still fighting to get there who have that one dream, who want to want to play, want to be a, a part of, of something like that, to be to be in the major leagues, to say that they've been there. I, I love that part of it, too. Yeah. And and I guess, um, you know, it's it's also it's it's also interesting to see guys, you know, just just play extremely well out of nowhere. I mean, well, maybe not out of nowhere. I think it's always I and mean, I'm sure, again, you could speak to this as well, is that um, is that, you know, you, is that you see the team uh, that you cover, that you follow and. And, uh, and at the beginning of the season, you say, you know, which one of these guys is going to is going to, you know, open up the most eyes. And yeah. it's funny, I'm sure you could I'm sure I was going to say LJ Hose over the past week. Xavier Avery's playing well. I mean, are you um, are expectations of viewers from the beginning of the season, uh, I guess, to now um, accurate in terms of the players? Well, well you know, I mean, I, Hose is a guy who came up partway through the year. I mean, he had a, he had three games last year yeah. uh, with the Bay Sox and. You know, had been playing at high A, and the power has—I mean, certainly showed up. I think it's what six homers in his last nine games now. Um, yeah, I mean, but you can see the development on him that he's going to be a pretty good player. I, I'll give you a name of a guy who kind of came out of nowhere for for the O's is Pedro Florimont, who's yeah. their shortstop, who had all the tools, really struggled in his first stint in Double A last year, went down to to A ball again, got to camp this year. It was he's on the forty man, so he went to big league camp, and there's a story. That it was actually it was Denny Hawking, who's the hitting coach in, in Bowie, told me this story about 
um, Luke Scott and Felix Pa, who are both very are very close friends, mm. were getting ready to go work out after their workout, and Florimon was getting ready to go home. He was going to go take a shower and leave, and they said, "Where are you going? We're going to work." And he said, "No, no, no, my workout's done." He said, "No, you're starting to work now." And in a lot of respects, they opened Florimon's eyes to what could happen. He's been marvelous defensively. He went through a mid-season slump. Um, where the numbers didn't look good, but his approach has been much better at the plate. And this guy looks like he could be a major leaguer. He's been a sleeper kind of in that system, but yeah. but he's a guy who, I mean, he's very fluid at shortstop. He's lanky. He's a little taller than you would expect. He's got a little bit of pop. He hits from both sides of the plate, much better hit a right-handed than left. But there's something with him, and, and, and it's fun to watch that. When I see him compared to where I saw him last year, at Bowie, the strides are incredible, yeah. you know. And then there's the guys that come out of nowhere, and you, you probably have seen this guy too, Yangjervis Solarte. Oh my goodness! Last saw him last week. How, holy cow! How is nobody talking yeah. about this guy? He can flat rake, and I've heard a couple people say, "Yeah, he can't play second base." That's malarkey, man. I've seen him make a couple plays over there that made my my eyes pop out of my head. I mean, th- this is a guy that's on nobody's radar who I think is going to be a player, a real player. I like him a lot. Yeah, it's funny. I I think the only thing that's holding him back is that he's 24 years old in Double A, but still, sure. I mean, he's a good player. I I completely agree. And um and uh, yeah, at the All Star game, he I think he had a couple hits. He was playing really well. Um, so so here's another question for you, Mike. Do you, um, you know, I guess again for you personally, do you have any expectations? You know, obviously it seems like you're enjoying being with the bait with the Bay Sox broadcasting um as much as anything. Um. For years to come, I guess the following year, the year after, do you have any expectations? Is, is there a chance that maybe you'll have a more um, enhanced role with the club or something like that in minor league baseball? Um, I mean, that's nothing that we've really talked about. I mean, it's I, you know, I'm happy. I'm a radio guy first yeah. and foremost. I mean, I'd love the opportunity. I mean, like anybody else is doing play by play in the minor leagues, you'd love to have a chance to do it in the big leagues, and I'd love to have that opportunity too. There are a lot of really talented people who have a lot more experience than I do that are doing it throughout the minors. I don't know if and when that opportunity will ever come, but I like what I'm doing now with the base Sox. and I and I, you know, I'm really lucky in that I've got a job where I host a talk show. And all I do is talk about baseball. Mm. And for a baseball fanatic, that's about perfect. I mean, I've done the all sports thing. I covered the NFL. I've, I've covered NCAA. And it's fun. It's cool. I mean, it's it, it's don't let any jaded old writer or reporter or radio guy tell you that it's a grind. It's not that bad. It yeah. could be a lot worse. You could be digging ditches for a living. It's a lot of fun, but this for me is a dream come true. I mean, I, I get paid to talk about my favorite thing, and that, and that's ball. And just a couple more questions, Mike. Uh, back to what we were saying before about expectations of the Sirius XM and, and LME Network Radio. Um, w- with you doing this with the Bay Sox, um, is there a chance that possibly you know others will be doing you know the same thing with other minor league teams? Like for example, you think you know Person A will will get a chance to broadcast you know games for the for the Lansing Lugnuts or whatever, is there a chance that, you know, since this is obviously working out, that uh, that this could be more of um, they could explore the idea of doing this with more minor league teams and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're not carrying the games. I mean, we're just doing – I'm doing – Sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah. Broadcast, so yeah. for, with the Bay Sox. But I think it's, you know, I, I think it's about making opportunities. And I think that that's, you know, whether you're working with, with us, you know, at Sirius or if you're working, um, you know, at, at – you know, local radio station number, you know, 890 on your dial. Right. And you're, you want an opportunity to do it. I mean, sometimes you've just got to take a risk and try and take a chance. And, and, you know, it's, it's going to be about making your own opportunities. And I think that that's a lot of, of this. I mean, this wasn't something that Sirius pushed me to do. This is something that I did on my own. Um, and, you know, it's worked out. I mean, that's, it's been nice that I've had the opportunity to do this so far. Mm. And last question I want to ask you, Mike. Uh, I, you know, I, I think I think you mentioned earlier about ways to um, to improve the show, and you guys are always looking to do that. I was thinking, I think the I think the only way to improve the show is to have Dave Gershman on the show. <laughs> well, have you, when we do our uh, New York Pen League report, how's that? Sounds good, Mike. Hey, hey listen. Uh, first of all, uh, thanks for joining us, Mike. Everyone, if you'd like to follow Mike on Twitter, he is at. Mike Farron, SXM, right? And yep. Uh, definitely listen to the Sunday night uh, round trip. And Mike, you are are you are you every? I think you're every single day on round trip as well, right? Uh, yeah, Sunday through Thursday. Sunday so. through Thursday. So definitely have a listen. It's uh, if you if you want to if you're not a subscriber to SiriusXM, you can subscribe. You can get a, a 
sorry, you can get a, a free 30-day trial if you subscribe on a Sunday. You get five weeks. Well, so, sorry, you get five Sundays instead of four because obviously it's uh, that's what Kevin Goldstein said. I think on last week's podcast. But um, Mike, again, thanks so much for doing this, and we uh, we're gonna continue to listen. All right. Well, thanks for having me, Dan. by minorleaguebaseball.com's and bustleaguebaseball.com's uh, Brian Moynihan. Brian, Brian, how are you? I'm doing all right, Dave. How are you? I'm doing okay. Um, you know, you've been, uh, I think you've been watching more minor league baseball, more than anybody this season, and it seems like, and uh, and, and you you write for uh, for the minorleaguebaseball.com's New York Penn League Notebook, right? Yes. Yeah, it's a weekly, weekly notebook. It comes out on Friday mornings, um, so I try to get to, you know, a a game or two a week for the, or usually about a game a week for the Penn League, um, just to, and, you know, talk to talk to somebody and see what's going on. And what have you? I mean, and what have you? Uh, you know, in terms of of the stuff that you've written, you know, I've read a lot of your stuff this year. I've read I, I've read articles about Matthew Neal, about um, just you know, just uh, I think I've read all of your weekly articles pretty much. And um, you know, when you go to a game, what do you what do you normally focus on? Like, do you do you do more of like scouting stuff, or do you or do you get information needed for your notebook stuff? Yeah, I actually don't do any scouting stuff at all. I mean, I'm I'm notoriously bad for. I mean, I I it was I, last night when I was watching that Madison Younger and Lowell, I actually uh, I tweeted that I love his curveball because I can actually it's one of the few pitches <laughs> that I can actually tell as a breaking ball. It, but you know, I'm I'm just notoriously awful for it. So scouting stuff is just not my deal. Um, you know, but usually when I go to when I'm doing something for that, I'm you know I go to I try to get to a game uh, to talk to a person in, in person. Um, you know, I'm going. I'm just asking. You know, I ask them a lot of questions, just kind of like try to get some background. And um, sometimes I go into it with a, sort of a an angle in mind. Sometimes it's you know I figure I'll talk to the guy for a little bit and kind of see what angle presents itself. Do you uh, do you feel like like a lot of the talent you see, or I guess I should ask, when you go to a game and you you know and you prepare for you know, maybe do maybe you do an interview or whatever. Do you go to the game just because it's? Um, I mean, do you go to more games because because you're able to and it's closest to you, or do you go with a purpose? For example, I, I know you told me that you went to Tri City earlier this year. Did you go there right. just because you want to see, you know, another another Penn League game, or did you go there saying to yourself, "Well, you know, I really want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this." No, that well, that one is uh, that was kind of a unique situation because my wife has some family out in that area, um, so you know, and I and I wanted to get. You know, one of my goals this year is to get to as many different minor league parks as I could. Um, right. And so that was kind of a good opportunity for me to, you know, to go visit some family and then, you know, also be able to take in a minor league game. Yeah. You know, at a different place than I'd ever been before. And I know that, you know, um, you and I are good friends just from our minor league baseball, you know, uh, ventures and whatnot. And you and I have talked a lot about the Penn League and the Eastern League. Could you talk about, you know, just in general, just, just some of the, you know some of the, um, I guess some of your most favorite things that you've seen this year. Some of the best talent you've seen. Some of the, you know, I guess just, I guess just why, uh, why the New York Penn League is so much fun for you, and I guess any Eastern League for that matter. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I see more of the Eastern League, um, just because Manchester is a little bit closer yeah. to me than Lowell is, um, and cause obviously because they started earlier and I got up there a lot in April, a fair amount in April and May. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because it's funny you say that because I actually did a post on this not too long ago at Bus Leagues about um, you know some of the favorite things that I like. You know, it's not it's not I'm not when I go to a game I'm not necessarily looking and as I said I'm not looking and seeing you know scouting information. But you know there's there's things I enjoy. Um, Anthony Ghost, for instance, yeah. in Manchester. You know I love watching Anthony Ghost play um, because defensively he's He's unbelievable. You know, any any ball hitting the gap, he's got a chance at. Um, and on the base pass, he's he take uh, he takes some of the biggest leads ever. Um, you know, Craig Ford from from Beyond Fenway and I were sitting in a press box one one day, and he pointed it out to me, and he just said, "Look at that lead that, that Ghost is getting." Yeah. And and he is he he's halfway to second base. I mean, he's he's absolutely fearless, um, which is you know, from in a baseball sense, that's that's good and bad because you want to have, you need to know what your limits are. 
Um, but from a fan sense, as far as being, you know, as far as being, being an exciting player, you know, I love to see that. I love to see a guy who's who's going to dare the pitcher and catcher to throw him out. Yeah, and also, um, sorry. Oh no, I was, um, I was just going to say another guy that I definitely want to mention is um, one of my kind of personal favorites is Moises Sierra, yep. who you know has some un- unbelievable power. I know you saw him at the All Star game in the Home Run Derby days. Um, mm. I mean, when he when he when he gets into one, he gets into it and. It may not come down for a while. I feel bad for the hotel windows. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I've never seen anybody break the hotel before. Let, you know, I don't even think I've seen anybody hit it, let alone you know break it like he did. But um, you know, it's, it, stuff like that is just fun to watch. It's fun. I, it, I like seeing, I like seeing guys do kind of special things. Yeah. And for those of you um, who don't know, Brian, you know Brian. Uh, I think I think you said this, but you spend most of your time with the, you know around the Fisher Cats, and uh, and that's and that's basically uh, I can say you and I know each other uh, mostly, but. Um, you know, I've I've told people this the whole season. You know, I I told everybody why I love being on the Fisher Cats. I've told them why they're why they're one of the most fun minor league teams to watch. Why you know why they're why all their players are great. Why they're all good. Um, you know, just just really good guys. Could you you know could you just talk about what the Fisher Cats mean to you as well? Um, as far as what, as far as yeah, you know, I guess uh, just I guess uh, just aside from the talent side of things, why you just like being uh, around them so much. Honestly, I mean, it's, part of it is just is there's so many good, good young players there. I yeah. mean, it's it's a credit it's a credit to what the Blue Jays have done. Yeah. Um, you know, you figure you know a few years ago you may not have had that. You know, they they had they had some players here and there, but you know, I, I know, I think we had talked about this at one point, you and I. Um, you know, their lineup is just is unbelievable. Yeah. Top to bottom, you know, it's hard to find a weak spot. So. You know, it sounds it sounds kind of like front running almost, but I mean, it's nice to just be able to go to a place and see a bunch of young, you know, a bunch of young, talented guys who, you know, are among the brightest stars in the game, you know, all in one place. Yeah, absolutely, I completely agree. And do you, you know, ha- have you ever thought about comparing and contrasting the Eastern League and the New York Penn League? Aside from the talent level, you know, there's there's such a different, um, I guess, just a, a variety of of players mixed in and. And and each um, and each level is extremely different, but you know, um, is there is there much of a difference just uh, just watching both styles of baseball between Eastern League and the European League, Brian? Um, I mean, I don't know about watching. I know that, I know there is obviously. Um, yeah. I know talk talking to guys. You definitely when I when I, I and I've I've made mistakes before sometimes. You know, of treating everybody the exact same in a way. Um, and something I'm learning is is that they're not exactly the same because. You know, in the in the Eastern League, you may have a guy who's been he was he's been a professional for a few years. Yep. Um, you know, he's into his career. In the New York Penn League, you've got a guy who you know may have been you know he may be in his tenth pro game. You know, he's coming right, right. out of high school or right out of college, and he's just getting started. And I mean, that's another that's another aspect of that that I like is that you know you're you're seeing a guy right from the ground floor. Um, you know, it's, it's the very it's the very start of a lot of these guys' careers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and back to yeah, absolutely. And back to the New York Penn League notebook uh, stuff. Um, do you have anything planned? You know that that we should be uh, expecting to see uh, in, in the coming days or weeks or whatnot. Yeah. Um, well, part of the reason I was down in uh, part of the reason I made sure to get down to to Lowell last night was because um, I was talking to Matthew Hopgood. Yeah. Um, going to be doing a little story on him for this week. Um, you know, you know, interesting guy. I thought he was, you know, top former former first round pick um, out of high school, right. and you know, just you know, it's kind of it seems like he stalled out in in some ways. And I, you know, so I was I was able to get down there and talk to him for a little while. Um, you know, very nice guy, very very personable, very very well spoken. And um, I was talking to him for a little while about you know, kind of what 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 his path has been. Um, and so that I think is going to make for a really interesting story. Yeah, well, I'm I'm looking forward to reading it. And uh, and Brian, uh, I just want to say uh, thanks for, you know, I want to let you go because uh, I, I know you have things to get to. But uh, but thanks so much for doing this interview. Thanks for joining us on the B2B podcast. And uh, we hope to talk, we hope to talk to you soon. I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. And uh, if you guys want to check Brian's workout, definitely go to the New York Penn League homepage on minorleaguebaseball.com. And you could also check out Brian's work at busleaguesbaseball.com. Brian, thanks for doing this. Hey, thanks for having me, Dave. I really appreciate it.